What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 325. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. How are you two doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. 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 You both... You both look good. I'm going to just say that Thanks. real quick at the top Same, of the show. Man. Yeah, everybody looks crisp and clean. If you again, if mm-hmm. you're, if mm-hmm. this is one of those times. All we're going to say, if you're listening and not watching, is just check out how handsome we are. Yeah, man. Today's a yeah. day that I showered, so I mean, this Me is too. a good day for, to do the pod. <laughs> right. So, you showered too, Ronald? No. Oh, oh I was like, I thought I we went. I, I thought we pulled the hat trick yeah. off. But it's a special oh. occasion. It's a special occasion when you shower, man. No, it is. It is. It is. It is. You mean you in general, or are you talking no, to me directly? No, I think no, we're talking no, no. To one with people. He's yeah. commenting uh, on your hygiene. <laughs> no, he, he he knows my hygiene. He knows it is a special day when I shower. So, right, right. Smell of vision and- is is an effect. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh uh, man. So yeah, today's episode we're going to kind of go through a couple of new. Uh, well, sort of new. We got a new episode of Hawkeye. We're going to yeah. catch up on. Um, and then the French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's new movie, um, is is available in a digital form now. Um, so we're going to finally catch up on that. I don't. N- none of us saw that in theaters, right? Like we've no, all watched no. it on the video on demand. Yeah, cool. So um, that's available on digital formats now. So we'll catch up on that. And then you know, usually we'll close out the show like we have been with just a, a bunch of also rands. Uh, you know, just some other stuff we've watch tv shows movies whatever is there anything at the top that you guys want to mention news wise before we start talking about hawkeye i mean this week's a big week you know um, i know at least a couple of us are going to see spider-man no way home at the end of the week so we'll be talking about that next week I'm excited. Yeah, the, but, the um, day this show comes out is everyone should be watching spider-man this weekend right right yes. right yeah you know those, those, those comfortable enough to go and and you know yeah, right, whatever right. level of comfort you have um, if you are going to see it, you know, you're probably seeing it this weekend. Um, this is going to be one of those probably massive drop offs for the week after. Um, so if you don't want to be in a crowd, maybe wait a week. Yeah, I don't know, you know, because yeah. it will drop off pretty huge, especially with Matrix coming out the week after. Heck so yeah. um, but I don't know. News wise, anything big this week that you guys mentioned? Anything, Ronald, John, anything that you came across that no. kind of sparked your fancy? Rot that springs Ronald, to mind. You sent us something on the thread, Ronald. Uh, the I think it was you who sent it. The the Ted Lasso Christmas short. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a Ted Lasso. Claymation. I think people should know about that because I think it's adorable. Yeah. So there's been a series of random things related to Ted Lasso that are only on YouTube that you can check out. One is the the origin story of Ted Lasso becoming a show, the return of Ted Lasso, right? Uh, which is really two really cool things if you want to see the roots of this character. But most recently. There was a claymation special called The Missing Mustache that's claymation version of the cast members of Ted Lasso. It's four minutes. Uh, it's really cool. Feels like a little companion piece uh, to the show that, you know, if you're a big fan of the show, I think you, you'd enjoy. So check it out. It's on YouTube, The Missing Mustache. It's in the under the Apple TV YouTube channel. Let's also mention the uh, upcoming film that looks awesome by the guys who did Swiss Army Man. Um, this one is called Everything Everywhere All the Time. Oh. And it's got a great cast and it looks in I mean just everyone should just look at the trailer. Everyone everywhere all the time should just look at this trailer and just this feels I mean if you saw Swiss Swiss Army Man 
and you liked that. But even if you didn't like it, you know these guys, the the Danielses, the Daniels, yeah. they yeah. they make interesting choices and they really lean into their their hardcore like creative choices. And so them doing some kind of mind bending stuff again with some of these great actors, uh, Kihui Kwan, if I'm saying that correctly, from. Uh, from Goonies and uh, Temple of Doom, who we don't see often enough, I don't think, um, who oddly hasn't been brought back into the new Indiana Jones movies that they've been making. For some reason, they have not looked at Short Round as a possible person to bring <laughs> in. I don't know. I just thought Short Round was a great uh, character. I know that it might be viewed as problematic, like sidekick stuff now, but I still think that actor was great. And it's, weird. Yeah, it's just absolutely. weird we don't see him in more. So I don't know. I'm right. glad he's in this. And uh, yeah, so everyone should check that out. That just looks like a really cool, unusual movie that, you know, gets into the, some of this multiversal stuff that we're seeing in all these comic book movies. But from a, you know, this is exactly what we want is for people that aren't chained to these giant corporations to make some of these, some of these crazy movies. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking vastly forward to that. Yeah, and Ronald, you gotta you gotta get your A twenty four hoodie or something, man, because they're pumping this bad boy out. I want to so bad. Q one Q one of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh I think this is the one, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one that is opening South by Southwest this yeah. year, right? Yeah. So that's that's pretty huge. So that's a that's a boat of confidence for from from the studio and from you know the filmmakers. I think this is also produced by Agba, which is the Russo brothers production company. Mm -hmm. Um oh, cool. So, um, yeah, man, like this, the trailer is awesome. And Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Um, just looks like a, uh, like a really fun movie. And I, yeah. it's like a good taste of maybe what's coming soon. And hopefully there's more like it, but hopefully yeah, those we'll are two, it. I, I hope so. Maybe we'll even be able to see it as a part of South by, yeah. I know what to do now. I know to add all the movies <laughs> this time. Yeah. That's what you do. You add them all. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. They get. They, it's like a lottery. You miss the lottery. You can't see the movie. But yeah. what, what, what we didn't know is that you have an infinite amount of spaces that you could pretty much just add yeah. whatever you want. So we've learned our lesson. Yeah. We yeah. were babies then, Ronald. We're, we're babies, now, we're, now. were we ever so young? <laughs> we're hard-nosed vets now, man. Yeah, we're hard-nosed vets. We are. <clears throat> All right. Uh, any other trailers? I'm trying to think. Nothing else. No. Really stood out to me this week. Yeah, it's kind of been a slow week. Everything's kind of just funneling into Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, it feels like, like uh, all the eggs are in that basket. But okay, so cool. Well, I guess on that Marvel topic, uh, briefly, let's get into the newest episode of Hawkeye. And Ronald, I think you should start it off just because you're the biggest fan of the show so far. You're Hawkeye's biggest oh, yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Your so, number one fan, starter of the fan, president of the fan club, right? Like the yeah. show's fan club. You know, my only complaint, my only complaint <laughs> is that, you know, Hawkeye should be like a friend. Like, it should be pretty consistent. You don't, don't punch me in the stomach for, for four weeks straight and then give me flowers on the fifth week like this gave me flowers. But the flowers that came were fucking, it was a bouquet. It was a bouquet. I feel like this was a very meaty episode where we're starting to see all the pieces that were kind of being hinted at during the, the first four uh, episodes. There's only six this season, just yeah. so you know. So you don't, because <laughs> a lot of people are like, I thought there were 10. No, six episodes. But a lot of the storylines that we've kind of felt like, man, where, what is this leading to? Right. Are all coming to a head. And, you know, with the introduction of a certain character in episode four, uh, we also get an introduction to another. And... Boy, I couldn't be more excited. Okay, how, okay, so okay. Last time 
the character they brought in was somebody that was hyped and but known to be part of the cast. Yeah, um, right. And a great addition. And I thought she in particular that this week I thought she was really good. She had some great. She's stuff great to do this week. I mean, mm-hmm. incredible in that scene with Kate Bishop and also just all of her stuff. It really livened it up, made the thing start to feel more cinematic. I think even the fight in this one, because it wasn't like against a CGI or green screen backdrop, it felt more a little bit more immediate, a little bit away from that CW uh, quality that you're talking about, Ronald. But I also thought this week, just because, like, I was commenting, not even like as a as a criticism we were watching it and i was like boy this is so small like there's a scene where all the parties are converging on a like a junk car lot or a parking lot of some of some sort and like the stakes are so low in terms of what's happening on screen but we we kind of are starting to tease out the implications of what's happening in in terms of how this story fits into the bigger picture and i just like i just like that i mean i think that like i can see your point ronald about how four episodes to kind of get to where they're going it did feel like they were kind of dawdling or whatever. But I think that ultimately it strengthened the character stuff that we're seeing right now because we have spent time with with this new phase of Clint Barton. Jeremy Renner's really been very, very good in this show. And uh, everyone else, uh, Ellie Steinfeld, I mean, has been great. But also, yeah, uh, the other people that have been added to the cast. So I just think that it's like... It's been marching towards this moment, and then last week they started hyping this moment. Oh, that's going to break the internet, you know, silly, silly thing to hype. But it did make everybody go, oh, I bet we all know what's going to happen in this episode. And today the headline was, uh, what was it? It, uh, Hawkeye's internet-breaking moment uh, was just what people expected. And I was like, okay, so I kind of know what that is, but I'm still excited to see how they do it. And for that to be what it is, I loved how low-key it was. Like, I loved how, like... Tossed off Loki, the episode ending on this moment that just lets you kind of hang out. You didn't, it did, they didn't blow the the mm. load, so to speak, of like the true reveal and like what really is coming. But but the scope just widened, you know. If yeah. you're yeah. if you're looking for somebody big to come in, and if you're looking for frankly someone who's like, oh, this this is out of Clint Barton's league. This this is about to. This is someone who is like one of the big baddies, you know. Yeah. That's, that's rolling in, and it just feels good the way they're doing it. And it actually it's so strange how it does tie it back into that Netflix Daredevil series. Yeah. Uh, so neatly that it really makes you wonder if all of that stuff is just going to be looped in. I wanted to go back. Last week we were talking about, or whenever, sometime recently we were talking about that statement about those shows not being canon. Yeah, last week. I, I was thinking, and I didn't add this note, I always took that not to be like, oh, those shows are garbage, but more like we're not beholden to every detail that was revealed in those shows because we're still doing our own thing. But I think right. just like anything like that, they've done it with the Star Wars stuff that's not declared canon. It's like, they pick up what they like. And I think even more so than that, we're going to see, a, I think Marvel's going to find a way to make it all feel pretty neat and tidy, you know? Yeah. Um, so totally I don't think, agree. I, I, I don't think that it, this is going to be the only element that they that they start to double back on and bring in. But I loved how they did it. And I actually was like, you know, we I watched it a second time with my wife because she missed the last few minutes. And she, and she was like, oh, Who's that? You know, and it's like, it's funny, but even not knowing who the character was, she felt the moment of like, oh, this feels like the show's deepening. But yeah. it is weird that now we have one episode left, right? I mean, it almost seems like there's no way this can't be just a setup for more stuff. Like, I don't know what they can do in one episode that will that will, yeah. that will will tie this up in a satisfying way. Because we know that main villain is not going down. And I don't see yeah. the season ending with Hawkeye going down. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You think Hawkeye's going to go down? <laughs> do you think they'll do anything that crazy? Like kill Hawkeye or something like that? Would they do that? The first question I want to ask you, Steve, because I want to know what you think. Is that Vincent D'Onofrio or is yes. that just a kingpin? 
No, that's Vincent. Lenofrio. I don't see how they it would not a... bring him in. Yeah, that's the whole yeah, point. He, 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 he's in the he's in the credits. He's like in the credits. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just making sure because the this picture so we just we we pussy footed around it and then we just said it. That's fine. No, it, whatever. It, yeah, it is what it is. Like at this <laughs> right. point, but but here's the here's a to kind of piggyback on that. The better question maybe is, I've seen some discussion around this. Is that is this the same kingpin from the Marvel Netflix series? <sighs> Or just Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin as like a restart reboot, something like that. So that's what I mean by the canon thing. Like, I think they're, I think it's even worse right. to do what they're doing. To be like, this Kingpin's good, Daredevil's good, but Luke Cage, you suck. Or or uh, Jessica Jones, you suck. You won't be in right. this. right. I think there's only one character that's going to be told you suck and be kept out of this, and that's Iron no, Fist. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so too. I don't even hate it, but I'm just saying that's the no, whipping boy. Yeah. That's the whipping boy of the whole the people, whole thing, you know. Yeah, people have said it. You know, I mean, it could, it, it really could go either way. I mean, it, it really could simply be that, like you know, they do appreciate the casting, you know, or even yeah. the performance, and maybe they don't see a direct way to tie that story right into the MCU right. proper. Right. But like you know, the 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 approach could simply be like, kind of sort of how Kevin Feige addressed the whole Charlie Cox of it all. Is like if we do Daredevil, like he's he's going to be Daredevil basically. Yeah, and it's not to necessarily even say in any acknowledgement that like it's going to be the Daredevil from the Netflix series. It's going to be you know what I'm saying? Like right. they, it, it, there's so many weird things that they could. It's very cagey. It's just like. It's a multiverse, guys. Like yeah. maybe it's a different version of it. Okay, so but that buys them everything. That gets them everything. It does. Yeah, it's exactly. a little lazy. It's a little lazy in the way that you could just kind of say like, all the mistakes we've made are not going to be a part of it. All the things we're very excited about will become a part of the world. I just think, I do think course correction is pretty cool, and this feels like the best version of coach course correct but isn't that like the mo for comics in general though like you tell me yeah like, you're the guy yeah. like, yes. that just seems like one of the yes, greatest but, that's, that's but also everyone complains like. everyone complains and including i think you sometimes about these shows and movies having too much baggage and too much backstory that they're trying to pay yeah. off so i think that like i would i would rather them do a hand wave and say hey Again, that feels to me like Kevin Feige not trying to disrespect the Fox X-Men movies, the Fox Fantastic Four right, movies, right. but move on from them. Oh, yeah, multiverses, because yeah. he made some comment. Oh, it's all it's all part of the multiverse. I think that's so, a way of like saying we moved on from it. But if they want to say a portal opens and Hugh Jackman pops out, I don't think anyone's going to really complain if it's a yeah. cool story. But what you're saying, Ronald, I think is true that if they take that as the lazy way to introduce things, like I think that the MCU still needs to do their... Yeah. version of mutants their x-men their fantastic four and it would be too easy to just port something over so that's where i would think it was lazy if they if they use if they leaned on it too hard so let me let me introduce to you a very good excuse for this this usage and that is <laughs> actually hawkeye the episode of hawkeye yelena disappears in the snap and you know we've kind of not seen her around in this world you know and this is a perfect explanation for why we haven't seen right you know black widow's sister kind of around when she's so close to her so important to her you know it's it, it's a really interesting usage of it so like right. look give me that 
But don't keep mm-hmm. doing this. You got you have one more calendar year to keep using this snap as a fucking excuse. And if you use it more, I'm gonna think you're being lazy at this point. You get a calendar, you get you get 2022, maybe the beginning of 2023. Don't use it anymore. Because it's one event. Yeah, but but I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I agree with you. I mean, you think that, they're gonna use it forever? I don't no. think they're going to use it forever. I don't at all. No, no, no. I, I think it'll probably be something that is easily faded out by the timeline you prescribed to to Marvel. But I think that the, it's according like, to the conditions, yeah, <laughs> according to my conditions, yeah. But but I think that what they've done is they created an event that is something yeah. that was like teased so much and they delivered. So I feel like the that they've earned this like ripple effect that for how long have. steve I'm well see here's the thing i think a lot it. of these shows were planned in the wake of that saying we're going to answer yes. some of the questions people yeah. might exactly. have about exactly. the way this fits into the bigger picture but i think yeah. again i kind of I, I i think i lean towards steve's attitude about it but i understand what you're saying ronald in the sense that i think that this stuff has been happening in this middle period they're about to get into this whole other chunk of story that i right. think that's when you would say now we've got not just that we aren't talking about Thanos as much anymore and the snap, but that and we're talking about multiverse, whatever. But we're also involving Shang Chi. We're also bringing in Eternals characters, maybe. Like I think yeah. that like in a year's time, the MCU is probably the face of it's going to feel different, you know, That's than exactly it does right, right now. We are not still in the to. we're yeah. still kind of in the hangover. But I think what they're trying to do, Ronald, and they might be they might be doing it a little too much. But I think what they're trying to do is make sure that no one says. You didn't really pay off. You didn't really honor the immensity yeah. of what happened. If this yeah. is a connected That's universe, exactly wouldn't people still be, uh, you know, shell shocked from this? But it's like my own my my complaint. That's like that, Ronald. Is that, and I think that it, they're working it pretty well. But I find that the the conflict of Hawkeye's past makes me think a little too much about Black Widow's story and Winter Soldier's story. Mm. And it's like that's the thing that's starting to feel repetitive to me is the idea of a person who's saying, "Oh, I've I've done a lot of bad things in the past, and it's coming back to haunt me." I, I think that is the note that is strange that we've had mm. so much of that just in the last year from them. But it kind of clears the deck of those characters who you might say we never did get to dig into the backstory of. Of, of Natasha, and we didn't get to really dig into the backstory of Clint. Uh, one thing I love about what they've done with Clint's backstory is that at least his wife is sort of in on it. So when he talks to her, they're not oh. having those stupid spouse conversations where like the, the spouse is like not in on it. She's totally like, she knows way more than we thought she did. And is like, you know, able to, to like plan with him. So I, th- I like that. Yeah, we lost you there. We lost you there for a I second. I lost you guys. I lost you guys. Oh. So who knows what will happen on the actual recording? Maybe yeah, your recording we, we, is different we, from my recording. So we said oh, you got we, we said that you were talking about the snap and you got snapped. You got snapped I got snapped. Man. Well, what's yeah, interesting what about like. that is the so this is this is incentive to listen and watch because the watching yeah. will get you Ronald's side. And <laughs> if you want to find out what it was like on my end, you'll get to hear my my complete sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so I like yeah. it. I thought this was a strong. To, if, in, yeah, in short, really I think short I think Hawkeye episode. is going to a cool place, and I, I especially am excited watching that episode, knowing that I have a new Spider-Man movie in a couple days. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm getting kind of silly about how giddy I am for this corporate I'm product. So excited, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that like uh, you mentioned earlier, like just how small the show feels in so many ways, and we talked about this even last week when we were mentioning it. You know, I, I think that they're doing a really good job, like 
I feel like it's really hard to lose perspective on these Avengers, you know, and to lose perspective on the scale of who they are as characters, who they are as beings, powers, all that good stuff. And I think that, like, it's a good reminder, even a bit with the Black Widow movie, but, like, you know, th- this show specifically um, really kind of, like, doubles down on the idea of, like, this is kind of like a guy just walking around the street who lives in this world, who's not like some, you know, rich billionaire tech guru, who's not blessed with some sort of godly power. He's just like a guy who was like a, a assassin or, or, or yeah. a trained, you know, right. hitman or whatever. Right. And I, I think that like, you know, seeing the day to day of that, it may, I think that makes the show feel small. Like you see like, the entry point into this organized crime ring that he like took out his Ronin or tried to take out his Ronin or, you know, wh- whatever that all was. And I think that, that that's probably the, for me, that's probably what I like most about the show is that like, it doesn't feel the stakes don't feel as large as some of the other shows, you know, as, as interdimensional as Loki or, you know, even WandaVision. But I mean, I just think that, you can kind of tiptoe around the kingpin of it all. But I mean, like the fact that that kind of level villain is coming back into the MCU in Mm -hmm. the, you know, in this penultimate episode of the first season, I think it just shows like how much of a place Hawkeye still has in the MCU, even though a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't view him as like a favorite character, you know, And, and maybe there will be some kind of crazy, Hawkeye's gone thing. I don't think that would, I don't know. I'd be really surprised if that happened, but I think that, you know, they are walking a line where, you know, his remorse, his guilt, his, his dealing with, you know, Natasha and everything. It's been a really, like, it's been really a good performance by Jeremy Renner. Like I think it's Uh, the best he's been as Hawkeye in anything, you know, in the MCU, no, no, no comparison. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, I, I like I like the New York of it all, I like the holidays. I like just and you mentioned it earlier, John, just to circle back on the Elena, like that whole scene, both when she returns from the snap and, you know, when she's actually talking with Kate in her apartment, <laughs> like she's just fucking perfect. Like she's, she's having so, so much so fun good. with it. You can tell. Too. Yes. And she's you just want to see her so much more in, in the MCU and, and you really hope we get to. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking the season so far. I I'm excited. And I don't think it's, I don't know. Do you think it's a coincidence that like this, this episode comes out and then you see Spider-Man and then yeah. you see a season finale next weekend. Okay. I don't okay, cool. We're all, we're all, on the especially same with who was shown yes. the, the kingpin of it all, uh, yeah. as we say nowadays. Um, like I think that that is a, cause I was saying to Nikki, that's a Spider-Man villain. That's a daredevil yeah. villain. That's an anybody villain, but he's like street right. level and a total fucking badass. You know, it's like he's yeah. a guy to be afraid of, and like right. he's he's not like Doctor Doom or something. But it's like he's he hangs in there somehow. Kingpin has always hung in there as like, he'll, you know, he goes further than just a crime lord kind of character. So yeah. he killed somebody with a car door. So yeah, yeah, what right. a brutal scene. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. it's gonna be fun. See what happens. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's next, guys? Uh, everybody, everybody, get like a little tiny glass of uh, tea or, uh, or a cup of tea on a tiny plate that like matches <laughs> your your shirt or something, and, yeah. and like yeah. sit in a nice uh, you know square aspect ratio and kind of look directly. Be centered. Have some like frame. sideways layered yeah. blocking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. 
We're going to talk about French Dispatch, the latest from <laughs> from dollhouse maker Wes Anderson, <clears throat> who yeah. sometimes films those dollhouses and puts actors in them, and we get to see it. Um, I think this is an interesting movie for a lot of reasons because it's like yeah. it's got everybody in it, and it is so fragmented. You can like some parts and not others. It's like yeah. kind of an anthology structure, but it to me is the movie that like we've had we've had the Wes Anderson conversation before. And so I sort of, because of talking to Steve and like different people I know who like some and not others and aren't kind of like just a Wes Anderson fan, I generally find that I'm, I like his style. So I don't mind that he works in his style, you know, but mm, yeah. I do think there's a question of like, is this one he's making where he's totally off in his world doing his thing? Or is this one he's making where he's kind of reaching out and doing something either a little different or maybe even trying to get a a trying to get a general audience more interested in his movies. And like, for instance, Grand Budapest Hotel, I remember at the time thinking, wow, this one feels like one that more people should watch because it has a lot going for it. Yeah. Um, was the one, was it Isle of Dogs? Was that the name of it? Isle of Dogs, yeah. Like that one was like, also, the, oh, the stop motion animation. Maybe people will yeah. be drawn to this because of the, you know, it's different. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, it seems to have some admirers. This one to me feels like, the one that's for fame, like this movie feels like if you're going to come out of this loving this as a movie, then you're a you're a Wes Anderson fanboy. You know, if you're going to come out of this having enjoyed certain parts and maybe thought others were a little odd, but having and, you know, I hung in there for the experience of watching this movie. I found the density of it a little bit off putting at times. I, I luckily I was at home watching it, so I would pause it a couple times, you know, uh, to make sure I didn't miss any details. I'd rewind a little bit. But I don't know. This one to me feels like this is deep Wes Anderson. This is one where. Every frame is what we were just saying. Every frame is that super locked down, super planned, super orchestrated yeah. Wes Anderson thing that you're either going to love or that's going to be like nails on a chalkboard to you. Um, and I even think this was one of the first times or one of the rare times watching one of his movies where I thought his style undercut dramatic moments that were trying to happen between characters because of the how stylized his world is in the acting and the yeah. editing and everything. I also was incredibly impressed by by huge chunks of this movie though. So I've been dying kind of to hear what you guys think because you know we've we're, we're all over the place with Wes Anderson on this podcast, I think. So yeah. So somebody else jump in. I mean, was this was this one of your favorites, one of your least favorites, Ronald? Did, how, how, does, how does it rank up next to well, next to the other Wes Anderson movies? Definitely one of my least favorites. Uh so I felt like this movie felt like it was gaslighting me. I felt like it was telling me I was insane because I felt like I couldn't follow it enough in the beginning. I was like, what the fuck is happening in the first 20 minutes? I was like very confused. Uh, but the the last two stories to me were like brilliant in a way that I couldn't really handle. Like yeah. it, it, it really felt like so there's there's a I have a conflict with his style of filmmaking like he's one of my favorite directors but then also like it feels like he feels like the Kanye West of 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 movies That's like where comparison. you just like I'm doing what I want to do shut up you know <laughs> he's like he put on his red hat he's like you're like man calm down and he's just kind of all over the place in his head he has the full vision of what he's doing and then when you watch it you're like what this feels so pretentious that like this will be harder for me to show to somebody i feel like like i feel like that are more they're like royal tenenbaums is like something i could be like 
here. You can understand. This is easy to understand. Royal Tenenbaums is like watching the Super Bowl compared to this movie, as far as like how accessible (laughs) it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. This is crazy. It's like so fucking. This feels like his, like, only God forgives for me. Deep cut. I like it. I like but it's it. also a deep cut in 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 terms of that's a that's a yeah. people that don't know. Yeah. Look look in the archives. You'll find out that uh, that was a a hotly contested movie on this. Podcast. Yeah. It's but 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 this is the thing, man. Like the last story, I kept feeling like this feels like James Baldwin in a way. Like there's something about this feels oh, yeah. like James Baldwin. Like they're doing something with him. Like in the story, like I said, the last two stories, but. I liked it. I think I liked it, but I, there's something. This is my least favorite, and I don't like how crazy he took it. It felt very frantic, like ADHD. Like I was like going crazy a little bit. Yeah. But like I said, man, like what it was trying to say in the end about like living a full life in, in art and what, what the written word is and how powerful it is. And, you know, <laughs> the guy pairing food with every description just... God, man, like it, it made me kind of emotional. Yeah. Um, Do you know what I mean though about the movie sometimes undercutting those emotional moments? Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. there's a moment where it's like you're feeling something, and then it cuts to someone going like, or something <laughs> that's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I was supposed to be laughing at that, or I don't know. I mean, I I don't think these people are misanthropic. I'm reminded a lot of the Coen brothers, not so much because of the style, but when you talk about how stylized their movies can be too, they get a lot of the same criticism of their humor kind of keeping, putting a distance between you and the characters and seeming like they don't care about characters. I think Wes Anderson, much more so than the Coen brothers, seems misanthropic, or at least like someone who doesn't really give that much of a shit about human life, you know? He kind of wants to. He kind of wants to make yeah. fun of the idea of being yeah. of being sentimental, even though his movies do hit that point. And I think that is an interesting tug of war. Like I don't think he's a cold fish, maybe or maybe I do think he is, but I think he's a cold fish making movies about emotional characters. And so he's there. He almost romanticizes those those moments that you're talking about, Ronald. Those moments that get you in the in the feels. And so he has delivered them so well in the past that this movie surprised me with how at a couple points it was like, oh, I wanted to linger in that moment between characters a little bit more. And this movie's much more interested in showing me the next kind of dazzling, you know, camera that pans through rooms and yeah, that, and which that stuff is amazing. I love that he does so much in-camera stuff. It's just yeah. the franticness you're talking about, Ronald, especially the first 20 minutes. You're right. So dense because you'd have to follow the narration of what's going on. And what's going on on screen. Yes. That's why I was glad that I could rewind, because I missed a couple key things watching the beautiful imagery and then realizing, oh, I didn't listen to the last five minutes of narration that probably is explaining everything. Yeah. yeah. Steve, Steve, where, do you, where are you with this one? <clears throat> Not a fan, man. Not uh, a fan at all? Or yeah, just like mixed bag? Um, like I, I mean, I would say it's probably, yeah, definitely also in my, the lower of, of the, of my Wes Anderson rankings. This is Wes um, Anderson's only God forgives for you? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, actually. It's probably like in the bottom third of of Mm. his, what is it? Nine or 10 movies that he's done. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's weird. Like I I was watching this. I too felt at times like it was, it was far too dense and like just too much going on. Um, But you can't help, but like, yeah, like you, you can't help acknowledge like there's, there's a lot of craft and there's a lot of skill and like, he's definitely very talented filmmaker and I and I think that's kind of what always draws me to want to see his movies and and some of his best movies 
you know, are some of my favorite movies, you know, of the of the era, you know, and I think like, you know, movies like especially Royal Tenenbaums, um, you know, Grand Budapest is great as well. Um, yeah. Rushmore, Bottle Rocket, like those movies for me probably go more along the line that John was describing of maybe trying to reach a little bit of a bigger audience or maybe welcome a general audience, you know, into some of his more niche or, or really kind of more indulgent filmmaking like this one especially um just yeah you know just i think just this even like the subject matter doesn't really pull me in like this idea of you know the 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 periodical or this just the journalism in general like the way he's presenting it in these in this anthology of these three short stories um i don't know i, I just it doesn't really kind of pull together for me you know outside mm -hmm. of there being some interesting performances obviously everybody wants to play in his sandbox and is like this cast is incredibly again dense and you know varied and just kind of you know you see a lot of usual faces that you know he you've seen in his films otherwise but i mean some new faces as well um it's weird was this the like, first time jeffrey wright was in one of his movies i think so i think so yeah i he think was, so um, he was great he seems, his, his theatricality was, fits the the like fits, the super fits, controlled yeah. tone really well I don't know. It's just it's just a weird it's a we, it's a weird movie. Like I don't like the the the, the, the short story element of uh of 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 these standalones and um I think I think it actually hurts like his ability to kind of emote, you know, like have these characters that you really want to follow. Like it's yeah. such a flash in the pan that you don't really have any interest. I personally, like I don't have any interest in any of the characters in this movie, like for the most part, you know, like I don't think anybody really stood out to me or really had any connection to them. Um, My favorite story might've been the prison story. The, I the would say the painter. same thing. And I, yeah. I was the most plugged into the emotions of those characters. Um, and I thought right. that, again, I think that it would felt like it was building up to something more substantial than this really goofy, silly scene of them like right. chasing each other around. I still thought that one was pretty successful overall. And what, as far as commenting on art and life, I think what it had to say was kind of an interesting thing because it ends with this, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting little parable. But I know what you mean, Steve. It, it, I mean, it's kind of the same thing I was saying about just feeling like I was being kept from feeling for these characters because yes, they are definitely. in a vignette and the way that it's edited, sometimes there's emotional content there and sometimes there's not, but you don't really know whether you're supposed to be laughing at these people or or like crying with them. And the movie repeatedly comes back to uh, Bill Murray's character, who's the editor, and he, he his his passing is sort of the thing that sets off this reminiscing about the the, the, these the, three the periodical yeah uh, the, the writers that this editor protected and shepherded through their careers in this publication right uh, you right. know we're, we're seeing an example of each one of them and maybe how he interacted with them um but like yeah i feel like it it is kind of hard to know how you're supposed to get an emotional beat on say like francis mcdormand who's very effective in her scenes but i'm like am i supposed to think is she like one of those coen brothers characters who's like a comic grotesque a little bit we're supposed to think she's a joke or are we supposed to sort of feel for her and again i i'm not saying i'm unsophisticated i didn't get it i'm saying i think the movie continually kind of prevents you from understanding whether those stakes are supposed to be real. I do think, though, the loving recreation of the type of magazine that they're doing, like right down to the end credits that have like cover illustrations from issues that don't exist, that stuff was, yeah. the detail of that and how much it relates to like the New Yorker style of like literary magazine, like that was so, that was, I got, I liked that, but I agree with you, Steve, that like, it just shows you what a niche item this is. I mean, this is yeah. the ultimate like 
sandbox movie for him. So much so that I was like spending the first part of the movie going, I just want this play set. Like it reminds me of when I was a kid <laughs> yeah. and we would draw these rabbit holes. We would do a line at the top of the page and then we would do a rabbit hole coming down and we would draw rooms and it just, the tunnels of the rabbit hole would go down the page and branch off. And you would say like, oh, this is the TV room and this is the room with the pool. And everybody was drawing their little rabbit warrens. I remember in like third or fourth grade. And I remember like you wanted to crawl into that. You would look at that drawing you'd done and you would just want to live in it, you know? And I think that uh, Wes Anderson's movies have that that quality to them. Yeah. Like It's like a toy that you want to play with. And so I get it. And I forget which one of you it was that said, maybe it was you, Ronald, talking about his ability to bring these things into existence. It's like, it is cool that he's able to, he's got the budget and the access to do this perfect version of this crazy vision, you know? Like, yeah. it's amazing how controlled it is. And it's amazing how beautiful those images are. But do they add up to a, does this movie cohere into anything really satisfying? Uh, I don't, I think at the end, it's, you're picking the parts you liked. Like, it seems like we all did that. You just pick the parts. This doesn't really feel like it has a central thrust or story to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did feel like it kind of, I mean, for the only really, I guess, general positive thing, I, I feel like it didn't feel, I didn't feel the length of it like I thought I would. Um, oh. I feel like it kind of moved enough at a clip that I didn't really, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't feel like the, 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 the running time really didn't affect me at all, um, which I thought it was going to after the first half an hour, like, you know, based on what, like what Ronald had said, you know, like how much was happening. I was like, oh, so oh my dense. God, this is. It's going to be two hours or whatever. Like, this is going to be tough. It's weird. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I know this movie did okay uh, in, in its, in its box office, especially for like a specialty release. And I'm happy for that. Like, you know, I want him to keep making movies because I do always want to see his movies. Uh, I do think he's a really interesting filmmaker and I, I, and I like the majority and of his movies and I love like three or four of them. So it's like, you know, he, his batting average is pretty high for me. I just like some of these, like this specifically is one of them that just feels so out of, I feel so out of touch with, you know, even though right. I can admire the craft and the skill yeah. that he, that he brings. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, there's nothing there for me really, or not enough there for me rather. Yeah. Okay. So. Like, um, like, think about Buster Scruggs, which is the Coen Brothers version of roughly the same anthology absolutely. structure. A much yes. more satisfying overall movie, I think, than this one. Absolutely was. agree. Like, that's a great comparison. Yeah, like totally. That's you know, yes, they're cut from the same kind of cloth. Like it's, but again, that connection to characters, you know, definitely emotional attachments, way more entertaining. And you still see the level of craft and skill on the screen. And it's like just a different experience altogether for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, different movies, obviously, but uh, right. No, you know, yeah, I'm a, not a very good comparison though. Um, yeah. I don't know. So it's, 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 I wish I could say something nicer, but yeah. yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, what else? What else? I mean, let's go through a couple other, yeah, what if else there's anything else that you guys have seen. I know Ronald, um, do we see some? Do we have any crossover? I, I, I finally, really quickly, I finally saw the Green Knight. Just to mention, oh yeah, time. yeah. Crossover, on the yeah. podcast. I know you guys have talked about it. I think twice before, um, but yeah, I don't know. Not to spend too much time on it, but I do want to say I thought it was great. And uh, Lowry is such an interesting filmmaker, and uh, the cast is amazing. Love Dev Patel. Love Joel Edgerton. I love seeing him in anything that he does uh, mm-hmm. as a as an yeah. actor, as a writer director. Uh, I'm always happy to see and support him. But yeah, it's a really interesting story. Um, 
uh, and just totally engaged the whole runtime. Like, yeah, I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it because I really wanted to sit down and focus on it and pay attention to it. Um, based off of what you guys had said, and yeah, I I, I really liked it a lot. Cool, I'm glad. Um, yeah, yeah, it has that eeriness that you get with Arthurian legends, you know, and I think that's something that. I just think sets it apart from like, there's some weird imagery. There's some weird power this movie has because it does feel like it's not trying to give you the usual like mythic story that even that you might've expected from the trailer. But like, um, no, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's like I, whenever, when you were talking about it, having seen it, it's like, there's so many images that just come right back to my brain. I've only seen it once and I I can't forget certain things. And this was, you know, months ago, months and months ago that I saw it. So it's like, yeah, definitely one that, one that has staying power. For me, for sure. Um, what'd you see, Ronald? What, what do you want to mention? Really, only one movie. Uh, so, a uh, couple months ago, Aaron kind of insisted that I see the movie Krampus. Loved it. I really did. Like yeah. on a route, loved it, loved it. And I remember you guys talking about how much you you loved it. But then, it's fun, um, yeah. Very recently, the the Naughty Cut came out, the the 4K remaster of this movie with Atmos. Man, are you talking about a sound stage that kind of changes the feel of the entire movie? Like, it's it's spooky. Like, it's the, the you know, I've never <laughs> had all of my speakers working at the same time. Besides maybe this year... The Bond film, you know, No Time to Die. But that really is like a good soundstage. But like this was unexpected, man. The wind blowing kind of all at once created this like I got chills. And then they do this effect with the guys in the in the attic kind of running around. It really feels atmospheric. And I think it's <laughs> the best use of surround sound I've ever heard for like a movie on this scale like it should not have been this good like it was incredible it changed my entire experience so i'm like awesome. i came out of this movie being like man like i can't put this movie on my top 10 but because it came out years ago but god damn what i wanted to if this thing released you could say shit. your best experiences best viewing experiences or something yeah like that, you know yeah. God, oh incredible knocked me knocked me off my feet I mean, I was sitting down, so that was physically impossible, but it was really good. Knocked you on your feet and then back off your feet, yeah. you know. The was... wind blew me up, and then it knocked me right down, back down on my ass. <laughs> That's it. That's all I really saw this week. That's that it? Was, okay. You mentioned Swan Song. Yeah, what about that? Yeah, Ronald, just a quick thought uh, on that. Did you, see, did you like it? Yeah, I mean, but if you want to cry. I, I started watching fucking... it and didn't have time to finish it today, and I liked what I saw, but it was definitely like, wow, it's it's a, it it's jumps a into a mood, and yeah, it's a wallower yeah. kind of mood. Aquafina coming through with a really cool, subtle, I mean, it's, so the, the plot's pretty simple. You know, this, this guy kind of signs up for this program that will replace him because he's dying of a, a, a deadly disease, and it'll replace him with... A very vaguely looks, defined cancer. They just kind of go cancer, yeah, but yeah, it's like can't. it's cancer-ish. You know, it's 
Cancer of the body. Cancer of the death. <laughs> Cancer yeah, of the yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he signs up for this program to be replaced with somebody that looks exactly like him, has his memories, has his personality. And uh, it's, a, it's a trip, man. It really gets you thinking about life and death and what this life means. And would you do this if you could replace yourself? And the only way that it can work is if he doesn't tell uh, his wife because it kind of breaks the continuity. Uh, and so he has this real hard decision to make about if he'll, you know, he signed up for it already. So he has to do it. And will he break that contract? Because he he doesn't want to leave on the terms that, you know, this death has kind of presented to him. What was the Paul Rudd show that had a similar similar premise? It was the living with the yourself, twins. living with myself, something like that. Yeah, the Netflix series. I mean, it was a similar idea of like he went to a service that was going to like supposedly improve you, but what it really did was kill you and send a better version of you oh, no. into your life. But then he survived the process of being disposed of and then tried to get back into his life. I mean, it was a, it was pretty interesting, but it felt like it was ramping up to something maybe better and bigger at that right when it wrapped up but yeah. th this movie ronald it's almost like a philosophical question i've always thought this about teleporting whenever they say all of your molecules are taken apart and then sp speeding across the galaxy and then they're <laughs> reconstituted on the other end by a machine yeah. i've always thought oh you died and then an exact copy of you got made on the other end so to everybody Ooh. else you're the same person but as far as you're concerned you stopped to you know if, if you get smashed into atoms and then reconstituted, yeah. you're gone and back. You're not the same person. So I've always right. seen like every time someone teleports on Star Trek or whatever, or maybe they don't call it teleporting, whatever they do. But like, I've always thought like, oh yeah, that's, that's Shatner, Shatner died. Kirk just died and then got put back together on the other side. Not, you know, so to me, right. this is, this is a movie that's dealing with that idea of like, how do you feel about the idea of you continuing, some version of you continuing, but yeah. you, you don't get to be around you know, you're not conscious of that. You don't get to enjoy that. It's really for everybody else in this case. It's, it's, like, heavy, man. it's an interesting idea, but I feel like it, to me, in some ways, it's like an easy no. It's like, well, no, I don't think I would like that very yeah, much. You know, I don't all. think it doesn't seem that necessary, but I do think it gets into some of those questions of we've talked about this before as parents, Steve, just the whole thing of like not being around anymore, you know? Yeah. Or as a son, Ronald, like not not having someone around anymore. Like we've talked about that notion. It's like, is it better for them to always be around? It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to say no. That's not inherently better. But it's also like, well, if you could choose one more day, one more week, one more year with somebody, you know, maybe that maybe that you would. I don't know. It's an interesting idea. It's wild. And Mahershala man. Ali is good, and you're right. Aquafina. They make this crazy high concept idea. At least in the like first half that I've seen, they sell it reasonably well. They do. They do. It it really feels like it's the gradual sort of thing that that would happen in the, in the society depicted in the movie so it's worth checking out man it it's a tearjerker it's a real tearjerker um Mahershala just does sad in a way that i just wasn't prepared for <laughs> I wasn't prepared for. Well, he's got a hangdog expression. You know, he's got one of those faces that you just look at him. If he's his yeah. resting expression is like looking into the middle distance, thinking about what might have been kind of face. So I think yes. that he's uh, he's great for that. Yeah. Steve, anything else? What'd you watch? Yeah, I was going to just mention the. Uh, I, I did watch over the weekend. I saw the new Netflix movie, uh, The Unforgivable, the Ooh. Sandra Bullock movie. How was it? Um, 
Sandra Bullock, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I mean, really impressive cast. Uh, who else? Um, Viola Davis has a small part in it. Um, the movie's okay. I mean, like, it doesn't stand out to me, to be honest. Like, uh, after reading more about it, like, it, it's kind of based on this uh, British miniseries that it seems like something that would need to be a miniseries. Like, mm. a lot of the stuff that it's dealing with, like, the moral repercussions of a crime that happens that her character is in prison for. And the movie is kind of, the movie is kind of picking up from her getting out of prison and flashing back to like slowly uh, let us know what actually happened um, during this crime that, that kind of altered her life and and some of the lives of people around her. So, I mean like that kind of stuff really to, to be given more time to air out some of the moral repercussions of what happens, especially when you, find out the the quote-unquote mystery of it all it's not it's not a huge mystery but i mean as the movie moves along i think like you know you you, i found myself wanting to kind of explore some of those themes more like i feel like i would have bought the performance more i mean that said i I think she's really good in the movie i mean i really like sandra bullock and um and vincent d'onofrio kind of mentioning him earlier in the podcast like you know he's not in the movie a lot but you know he's really quite good in it um I feel like I feel like it's the kind of movie that a lot of people will really like, though. And I mean, I feel like it's kind of like a down the middle kind of drama that um, will appeal to a, a lot of a lot of moviegoers. I mean, like it's a Netflix uh, original film and um, is available to millions, hundreds of. Oh, I don't know what their subscriber count is now. I think it's hundreds of million. I think it's but, hundreds I mean, of curious, billions. I'm curious to see if uh, you know where it where it hits with the viewing. Uh, you know, for that top 10 site that they released. I don't think it's actually clocked in yet. Oh, actually, today actually did. So, yeah, like 86 million hours viewed. So, obviously, number one um, on their site. But, you know, with her history with Netflix and 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 the bird box of it all, it was kind of like a while since she's yeah done a Netflix thing. So, I mean, a lot of people were curious how this movie would do, and that's a pretty huge number. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I would say I'd recommend checking it out. I mean, like... Uh, I think Aaron liked it more than I did. And I think people that I have told about it, like liked it a lot more than I did. Mm. So, I mean, it does seem like a pretty mass appeal type of movie, uh, partly again, because I think everybody really likes Sandra Bullock and for good reason, like she's really good in the movie. Okay. Um, there's some really great tense scenes um, in the movie, especially in the third act. Oh yeah. John Barenthal is also in it mm-hmm. who I love. Um, uh but yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like again, like the performances are all good, but the movie is kind of just like an average movie because it, I don't really think it gets enough time to deal with how heavy what happens in the movie is, and uh, it kind of moves around. It moves very fast uh, once once you kind of see what's happening. But you know, it's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, it's already there for you. So maybe maybe check it out. Maybe you'll like it a lot more than I did because, like again, it seems to be a movie that's connecting with a lot of people and um, the kind of thing where, like you know, you have that disconnect between like viewer ratings and critic ratings, and you know, we we, we are viewers. Like I don't think any of us right. really, you know, we're not critics. We're we're just moviegoers, and I feel like you know, enthusiasts. I'm a little on the, the lower end of, uh, for this one, but. Mm. I could be wrong. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to see what you guys think of it once you check it out. But if you check it out, but um, yeah, it's the unforgivable, and it's uh, it's on Netflix now. 
Steve, didn't you mention you saw the uh, Sex and the City reboot or whatever? We oh, call yeah. That? Yeah, we can mention that. I, mean, I didn't Holy see it, shit. but I was curious to know what yeah. you thought. I know that there's been a lot of people talking about it. There's one th- big thing that got spoiled, I think, for everybody, if you if you listen to any kind of pop culture you know, news or sites. But uh, anyway, yeah, talk about it. Were you a fan of the original show, and how do you feel this one stacks up? And what do you yeah, think about I, the movies <laughs> in between? I love the show. I love Sex and the City. I've always been a fan. Um, and fortunately, one time when I was in New York, I happened upon them filming a scene uh of sex in the city wow. with with uh with carrie and big and met sarah jessica parker and it was amazing um so that probably skews my love for the show because that just made me fall in love with it even more um but yeah the show i'm a big fan of the movies i'm not such a fan of i don't i don't really like the movies that much the first one more than the second um i think the second one is really bad um everyone seems to i mean i haven't heard a single person that liked it no it, it's a really it's a really not good movie um and and it does it, i think it actually hurts the the franchise or the ip and i mean this one i mean i've only seen the first two episodes because they're kind of doing like a rollout you know yeah. hbo max is doing like a like a batch uh release and and then single episodes after that but yeah i mean the the, the big uh you know the big ending of the of the season premiere uh it's called and just like that um is the name of the series it's not like sex in the city it's it's and just like that is the show um big big ending at the first episode that's been very divisive and, big ending yeah um yeah I, i'm not gonna i don't know if i should say anything i don't know i probably shouldn't but it's it's all over the internet if you um it's not going to really impact my feeling about the show so far i'm not really loving the show to be honest like the first two episodes um feel like they've really kind of slogged along like and it's mainly because of what happens at the end of that first episode yeah so i'm really kind of hoping that as the series kicks into like what it's going to actually be um that like the preview for the rest of the season looks pretty promising it looks a little more like you know where would these characters be you know in their 50s or whatever you know which is kind of what i want to watch um i personally am not a fan of how that first episode ended um and I don't want to, obviously I won't say any, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, it feels I'm, like a choice. It feels like a definite, like, big I'm tiptoeing thing around do. it. Yeah. I, I definitely can see why they did what they did. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a bit of a flex because, you know, look, look what the internet's talking about. Look what it's done to the stocks of certain companies that have any association with what happens at the end of that first episode. It's kind of fucking crazy. Right. Right. But oh I yeah. Mean, yeah. It, no, that's true. It's done something to like kind of shake up in the show is everywhere and like the the the, the you know the, they they announced that it's like the highest watched hbo program on the max service and i think on the, the regular hbo and i don't know how long so i mean that's like an obviously a big win for warner media but right. i'm really optimistic about the show I, I mean i'm happy to see these characters again in a different phase of their lives and um it just feels nice and cozy to see some of my favorite characters from the series and and not just the leads but um I don't know. We'll see where it goes. The Samantha of it all really bothers me, you know, like uh, not having her involved with the show. And right. Much respect to Kim Cattrall for not wanting to for reasons that she has. But the way they deal with it in the show is is a little is a little weak for me. But um, again, I'm optimistic for the show because I do think it's going to probably get to a point where it kind of settles into what it wants to be once it gets past this this front heavy uh, event that that kind of kicks off probably what the show will be. But Mm. that's and again that's on hbo max and that's uh 
they're doing like, I think the first two episodes and then an episode a week or every, every Thursday, I think a new episode comes out. So, so everything's um, coming back now. I mean, I know we've said this many times before, but if, if Ronald, is there anything you hope doesn't come back? Is there anything you think ended well, <laughs> like in the, you know, in that range of things that are getting rebooted now, is there something where you don't want to see them come back right. and do now it's 10 years later. Let's look at the cast 10 to 15 years later. Let's look at the cast. Right. Like, if you could call a moratorium on one thing, you know, say don't don't reboot it, don't touch it. Friends. Oh, okay. I agree, and I think they've right. said they never will, and I hope they don't. Look, man. I mean, you know, you know what's being done really well that I like uh, is Saved by the Bell. Like, right? Yeah. Boy, did the second season hold up to the first. Like, I don't know who's in this writers' room, but they shit now gold these days. Hot damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just wild, wildly good. Yeah, so like, you know, I'll say that. And then I was very, we, uh, you know, I was really doubtful about the Saved by the Bell reboot or. or Yeah, it's a reboot, well, right? I guess it's a reboot. I know there's probably sequel. rules about when you can say reboot. I think people want to say reboot when it's like a new version, but it's not like officially a remake. Right. But I think right. that line gets blurred so much that that we now have reboots that are remake, you know, that are like stealth remakes or stealth yeah. sequels or whatever. So I think that it's all bets are off. Reboot just kind of yeah. means, to me, it just means like they're trying to jumpstart something that yes. was dead. Yes. However, they're doing it, you know. Yeah, but it's a it's a good reboot. If you guys ever liked Save by the Bell, this is a cool show that really takes care of all the old cast and and still you know it looks it has a lot of reverence for the previous you know generation of save by the bell and still involves them in really cool that's a crazy ways. thing to say with a straight face it has yeah, a lot of reverence weird. for the previous incarnation yeah, of Saved by the it's bell. crazy and they, they do a cool homage to screech that was super emotional um yeah it's 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 cool it's solid all right. John, did you want to mention Oh yeah. Station yeah, Station yeah. Station 11. I'll just say like next week we're probably going to do a little bit of a segment on it after we've all watched some episodes of that. Mm-hmm. But it's a new HBO show that is out this week and it is um you know, it's a downer. It's a super downer. It's got a couple of cool character oh. relations in it, but I mean it's a it's a sort of uh pandemic end of world scenario or at least it seems to be and it's based on a book I, I had been meaning to read for several years and i might still pick it up but it just is such downer just the whole idea of like dramatizing an event like that takes out so many people and changes the world it's just it's a lot to ask but i would say i was glad i did it because once i was 15 20 minutes in i got how this is a story about characters that i might want to follow mm. and there are just different sets of characters it's i think set in at least three different timelines like there's a there's like a far future after the event sort of timeline um there's a kind of right after the event timeline and then there's seemingly a timeline of before that but i don't know how much we're going to get as it rolls along i only watched the first one i believe the first three are available this weekend maybe i'm wrong about that but i think i think they're doing that kind of get you interested thing so that makes me think that like 
because the first episode comes really close to feeling like it seals the deal in terms of the concept. I can imagine that maybe after the first three, it will have its hooks in you or not, maybe. But I liked what I saw. Once I got past the, do I really want to watch this part of it? You get to enjoy those HBO uh, production values. And, and also, you know, there's, there's some meat here. There's a couple of, like, there's a, there's a, a man and a young girl that are thrown together because of weird circumstances. And, and the way their relationship develops to me feels like, oh, that's kind of interesting and cool to picture like, okay, what if you were dealing with the apocalypse and you suddenly had to take care of an eight-year-old who you didn't know, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's got, that feels like a show to me <laughs> somehow. So there's one coming out really soon on HBO based on a video game. That's oh yeah, The Last of Us, right? Yeah. Well, so I mean, crazy. HBO is in the uh, is in the so, yeah, apocalypse. This, this, this is, is the yeah, this is all business. HBO, by yeah. the way. Yeah, this Station is, Eleven, Station Eleven as well. Wow. Well, um, let me say this one, too, like you know, similar apocalyptic scenario. Why the Last Man is a show that recently came out and didn't mm. really get much traction and got canceled. Uh, you know, after one season. Um, that was one where I was on board after one episode to see how it went, but I kind of felt like, is this too grim or it just feels like it's not fun? I did not feel compelled to come back and watch that one. This show felt like a better, like a similar barrier to entry because of the downer subject matter, but a a, a better, sh- just a more energetic show, a more like, it's got more likable characters in it, maybe. Maybe that's a prerequisite sometimes for this type of story. Right, right. If it's a downer story, you need to root for people <laughs> <laughs> okay funny yeah. yeah i can't wait to see this uh i've been like waiting for this for a while because funny story like it's kind of spooky because pre-pandemic like literally in jan late january of uh i don't fucking what what is it 2020 um i was in chicago with my friend uh dustin when we were seeing a band that we uh, kind of get together to go see out there and uh when we the were Blues walking Brothers. around what's that that was Blues Brothers. Was a bad joke. <laughs> I was just thinking the Chicago band. Right. No, that's a good tie-in. Good call. Um, but yeah, we were like just walking around downtown Chicago by the Navy Pier uh, one day while we were there that, that like short week or that long weekend that we went. And they were filming this series when we were down at the Navy Pier. And like they had, they kind of had it dressed as like this snowy look, you know, kind of worn. I didn't know what it was when we saw it. But like then when we went back to the room, I kind of was trying to look it up and see what was filming in the area. And I was like, oh, because I thought that like I saw a thing for Himish Patel, like a like a sign for him. And then I saw that it was Station Eleven. I was like, fuck, mm. I was just I just saw that. And that's what they were doing. And oh, I've been awesome. so I, I'm aware of it. And I think it's actually one of the books that my the where I work uh, publishes. So people are very talky about it um, at my job. I think it's. I think it's one of our books. One of my a friend of the pod, Amanda, always talks about it or has been tweeting about it. Um, that's something that she's really looking forward to. But it was really just kind of eerie to be like, oh, before anybody knew what COVID was, it was like I'm, I, I stumbled upon the set of a post-pandemic uh, HBO series. And yeah. then like, you know, a month and a half later, we're, we're kind of in a pandemic and it was very spooky. But I can't wait to see this this series. I love so many members of the cast and, you know, the production team, the directors, Hero from uh, Atlanta, Hero, right? Hero Mariah from, from Atlanta. Um, I mean, I that's all you need to tell me. If the majority of, yeah. if not, at least co-directs on the majority, if not all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, can't wait to watch this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about whatever episodes we're able to talk about next week uh, based on the embargoes. But So, anybody listening, check out, check out the episodes that are out there so that you can uh, join in. You know, you can shout it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it is the first two or three episodes that come out this week. So yeah, yeah. catch up up with us. 
They're doing the same thing that they did for the sex life, the sex lives of college girls, where they're putting a bunch out the first week and then dropping two each uh, week after that. I think just to kind of get it out of here before the end of the year, to be completely honest, so that's accessible on the site, mm-hmm. but uh, on the service. But yeah, first five we're going to be talking about next week. That's exciting. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else you guys want to mention before we dip out? Yeah. It's good, good on my end. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Movieshmovie.com is the website. Uh, all the social media sites is just .com slash Movieshmovie, except for YouTube. YouTube.com slash, what is it? Movieshmovie po- movie pod? Movie pod? What do we movie got? Movie podcast. Yeah. Movieshmovie podcast. Yeah, God, I can never remember. We got it wrong so many times, so many years, <laughs> and now we finally have it right. And I still don't remember it. Yeah, movie uh, movie podcast. Uh, if you want that audio and video portion of the podcast, um, but if you tell just people wanna... about it, tell people about it, please. Yeah, yeah. All the people that give us compliments, tell people about the podcast. Right, whether you want to listen only or watch and listen, yeah. like, whatever, whatever you prefer. Go to tell the movie moviesmovie.com. Just tell them to go to the moviesmovie.com website. Everything yeah, is don't there. Don't keep it classy. Don't keep it classy. Yeah. Be like a weird they, they, fa- fan they can person about it, you know. However yeah, they want to listen or or join us. I mean, yeah. like, you know, Be we've annoying. been at it for a while and um we just want more people to, to join us, that's all. You should be pestering people. People should be like, shut the fuck up about movie schmovie. And you're like, just yeah. listen, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> if if you ask somebody if they're not listening to movies, if they're listening to movies, movie, and they say no, do a spit take. Just whatever liquid you have, it. What? And stare at them. Yeah, yeah, it'll work. What's an appropriate amount of time to stare before you proceed with that conversation? One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Okay, okay. Two just for people, just for people taking note, you've heard it from Ronald. Two yeah, Mississippis, two and then Mississippi. Pr- proceed with the URL to tell them where to find us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but cool. All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up again. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about Station Eleven a little more. Uh, a few of us will hopefully have seen Spider Man: No Way Home, and uh, probably talk the Hawkeye finale too. Just yeah. a whole bunch of stuff next week. So big week. All right, man. Good seeing you guys. Always, as always, uh, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. No crying.